All right, we're live. We're back after a couple of weeks of a break from uh, UFC action. Uh, there was a lot of MMA stuff going on in that time, of course, with the PFL and Bellator. But we're not here to talk about that because people beat that like a dead donkey for a couple of weeks or not even for a couple of weeks for the last couple of months. So uh, let's focus on some actual fights that happened. And uh, yeah, UFC Austin was... Man, it was billed as one of the best cards. You know, Dan Hooker dropped off, but Jalen Turner came in and, and filled in that spot real nicely. Um, yeah, we're going to get deep down into all the matchups, starting with the main event. But before we get into all of that, make sure you guys go in the descriptions and download the All-Star app. And, uh, yeah, make your picks on UFC fights. J-Spec's got the league going on. J-Spec, what's, uh, what's the update on that? All right, so uh, many of our... You know, great users are reestablishing their accounts and still getting their stuff back. So, still in the fairness of fair uh, spirit of fair play, just like last month, I'm going to forgo the monthly championship prize. I still have a league, though. It's still up. If you want to play, challenge yourself. We still have a league. It's just a no prize league this time. It says it uh, this time too. But I will have separate giveaways this month. You guys seen that I went and uh, hung out with Anthony Noy. Got some signed glove for you, fellas and ladies. Uh, we're going to be doing giveaways uh, throughout this month. And for the pay-per-view event, as always, playing with the All-Star app, best picker in my space will win uh, something awesome too. Haven't revealed what that something awesome is yet because I got so much awesome stuff to give. I'm not trying to overstep myself. There you go. That's what's going on. All right. So he gives us the update. Yeah, on the app. Um, recently, there was some kind of update that happened. So if you did you know, get reset or you lost your account, your account is not lost. Just send them a message and then they'll reestablish everything, right? Up Whatever belt you're at, you know, whatever level you're at, all of that stuff. I actually, my account was reset and then I sent them a message and then they fixed it and now I'm back to normal. So uh, yeah, just be patient and uh, message them. It's the app's still in the works. We're fixing all the bugs. You know I mean, it takes a little bit of time to get it 100%. So don't worry. But JSpecs League is always there, and you could always win a prize for your knowledge and your your luck. You know what I mean? It's, a lot of it's luck. Come on. Let's be real. Gambling is, is luck. Picks are it luck. Is. And uh, 100%. our guest, Colin. Thank you, Colin, for coming in, man. We're going to jump into it real fast with you. Let's get into this main event from uh, UFC Austin. Armand Sarukian versus Benil Darius. A lot of people were like, this is Benil's fight to lose. I think a lot of people thought that at coming into this fight, people were picking Benil. You know what I mean? Of course, Benil's a phenomenal talent, but Armand showed us that he is next level. He has shown us improvements every time out. Even in his losses, to be honest with you, he has shown improvements. And this one, he just came in and uh, released it all for us to see. Colin, what do you think of Armand? And and uh, after that, talk about Benil and, and what position he is in now. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, uh, John. And, man, I got to tell you guys, if you want to be with the best, you know when you're with the All-Stars, you're with the best. You got Jay Speck and Curry and John. You guys can't have better people if you want to be with the experts. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So basically, Armand Sarukian, 27 years old, not even really – quite yet at his athletic peak, they say, which starts for male athletes at about 28 years old, but very close, close enough. And for the early start he got and the good training he got, uh, 
you know, he's looking really amazing. I think everyone knew at 22 years old when he fought a 26-year-old Islam Makachev and really pretty much held his own. And I think it was short notice. Uh, that said something right there because like in gambling, I fade 22 year olds every day, all day, every day. And it's just, they usually don't have the maturity yet to do really well under fire. And for making your UFC debut to have that on your mind and and then to face Islam Makachev, although not everyone knew who he was then, but still the reputation being, uh, Habib's protege and, uh, for, uh, for Armand to have done that well then put him on people's radar. He came up slightly short against, uh, excuse me, against a Matus Gamrot, but that was questionable. That was really, really close. And a lot of people thought he won that fight. And uh, what I think of him, he's, he's, he's really an amazing fighter, very strong guy. I like how he's a very respectful guy. I like also how he shouted out that Benil was probably the most respectful guy in the whole weight class. And, and Benil is an amazing guy, truly religious man, God-fearing man, God-loving man. Uh, but yeah, Armand looks, uh, looked, looked really, really good. Um, Benil got caught, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. And I don't think Benil is going to make any excuse for himself. I thought he was winning that fight, although it was pretty close, but they were exchanging some kicks and punches and Benil was looking good, fighting very relaxed. And, uh, gotta say though, in, in 40, plus years of me following combat sports, that combination was really sick and really, really unique in that it was, it was a head plumb to a knee, the knee missed, but like literally instantly, as soon as that knee was coming down, bam, the arc, the, the punch came right in. I mean, that was, that's a pretty sick combo. And I think we might start seeing more of that if other fighters are smart, because it's, it's kind of weird, and it also takes being really explosive and having a really good core uh, to, to do that where you're using the leg down here and your arm up here, and then this is up, and then immediately switching, bam. But uh, that that you know that was a uh, that was a really amazing follow up, and uh, you know Benil uh, got caught there, and sometimes that happens to the very best. But yeah, Sarukian is legit, and and when he said that about Islam, that fighting Islam now at 27 years old with the experience he has and just the physical maturity, uh, as compared to 22 years old, Islam better be careful because he did really well. But now Islam could also say that he himself is better than he was at 26 uh, years old or so. But still, I think Arman is a lot better than he was at 22, possibly more than Islam has improved. But that's it's look out, man. This kid is for real. And um, that's my thought on that. Yeah, um, Armand, without a doubt, man, he's he's championship material. And uh, I know your boy, Benil, J-Spec, that's your boy. Let's uh, let's do. get your I side do. of the story because, you know, there's some bias here. I'm, you know what? Colin and Benil are cool. Obviously, we're cool. I appreciate him as a human being so much. But that's got to be a side. I'm I'm judging the fight here. Right getting into that fight, John, me and you talked about this weeks ago. Play back the videos from our episodes. We talked about the exchange in the lightweight division and what's going to occur. There is a changing uh, of the generations that is occurring. And that's a subtle difference. These guys are only a couple years apart, but it's 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 happening and it's it's happening right now. And and boy, my heart last night 
man, I felt like eating my socks because we talked about this. And I was like, I almost predicted this happening. But why does this have to happen against the person I really, really appreciate? Yeah. And uh, of course, that's the fight game. The fight game will get you in your soft spot every time, even as a fan, as an analyst. Uh, so with that being said, hats off to Armin Sarukin. This was maybe cliche, old line versus young line. I'll say it. And the young line won this time and won clearly. This was a devastation. And I'm, I'm, I, I hate to bring this up, but I have to. This is now two times in a row that Mr. Dariush has been wrecked, just completely demolished. Now, that is so uncharacteristic. What's the difference? He sucks now? No. Just father time and the level of competition, right? And it's okay. If you want to stay in the game, certain fighters at a certain spot got to realize they're not heading towards that championship. And, and it sucks, and maybe that loses all their motivation and they don't want to fight no more. Other fighters fight for money. And if that's the case, sir, I think you got to change your direction and maybe consider being a, a, an elite gatekeeper. I don't know why that word gets thrown around like, like it's a negative. If you're, sp- if you're smashing hype trains and so-called, I think that's pretty good. So maybe, just maybe... That's what's got to happen. But as a whole to the fight, this was the exchanging of the upper echelon of this division that me and Mr. Hyunko called out clearly, clearly on multiple occasions right on the show. So there's that's my take. Could I jump in real quick on that? It looks like John may be frozen, as he mentioned. Yep. So, yeah, I interviewed Benil five days before uh, the event. John's back. Cool. And um, and we actually talked about that in the last part of the interview that I did with Benil on on the Monday uh, six days ago. I said, you know, I forgot exactly how I phrased it, but I said, I know you're not at that point and i know you're not in a 37 or 38 year old fighter but i said do you have any outdate do you have any idea like you want to go three to four more years or five to six or six to seven or maybe you'll be the the randy couture and uh, dan henderson of the lightweights and go 10 years but do you have any thoughts and he said no he's not really thinking of that but he said at that at the time god will let him know and i said so you're not planning on being the guy that stays around accumulating a lot of losses and he said no that's not not going to be it he said god's going to let me know when it's that time you know and because i i think i remember now how i framed that question he's been in the game for a long time he like armand sarukian who we just fought got into the ufc at like 22 years old like almost the exact same age that sarukian got in and and he's so he's been in the game in the ufc alone for 12 years almost 13 and uh I, I just like him so much. He's such a he's such a really good guy. And you know, it's interesting because Benil, I think, is probably one of the most religious Christians in the sport. And whatever religion you are, all respect to it. I don't put any one religion over another. But just a really, really religious guy. And you saw him coming in and giving the credit to God, to the Lord above. And it's frustrating to me sometimes how you can have someone that's so plugged in, that honors God so much, and and is such a, a a warrior spreading the word of love and God and peace, and then having them knock the f out. It's just you know, it's sometimes it really hurts my heart because I'm like, not that the other guy's a bad guy, Saruki and also no, and and yeah, guy, right, and I, and I'm with you on that, buddy. And the thing with that is that I think Sarukin, and if you look at the internet's reaction, I'm just look look guys, go look. 
there's not much. Like normally when you dethrone someone of Darius's caliber, there's this big rush. Everybody's saying crazy stuff like he's going to be the GOAT and 10-time defending uh, division champion. But that's not it, right? Like, what's up, Hype? Um, yeah, that's that's not the reaction we're getting because right. this is almost like uh, when Holmes beat Ali, and I'm not like saying changing, it was world changing change. of the guard. Yeah, right. when yeah, when that happens, it's not it doesn't always give you fandom, but it gives you credit, and everybody's yes. giving them credit. Just the because there's like that that tug and pull, right? Like you're sad about Benil, but you're happy for Armin, and I don't know. That's the way the room uh, when we were all watching it with our fans, they all everybody kind of felt the same way. Absolutely. I really liked how respectful it was. If you notice, you guys, I'm sure did before the fight, Benil went over and shook hands with each one, excuse me, each one of Armand's corner people and Armand. And it's just, you almost never see that. Like the, the, the respectfulness, like Benil is a UFC legend and he's a wonderful guy. Um, there were, there were several times when, um when he was being restricted from doing, uh, or not restricted, he can do what he wants, but kind of from different sources, but they were saying, we got to watch the interviews. It's got to be only ESPN, this and that. And, uh, and, and Benil looked out for people that were, you know, interviewing him from the beginning, like myself. And, you know, he was like, let's do it, Colin. And I know that like powers that be were wanting to keep the interviews of top five guys to only really, really big media sources. And so I'll never forget that Benil was like, let's do it, Colin, man. You've been with me from the, you know, nearly the beginning you know so let's rock it and so he's he's just a, he's a really really decent guy when my wife passed away three months ago i i texted him and let him know and it's not like we're buds or personal friends you know so i figured maybe he'd get back to me in five days or three days or whatever he got back to me within minutes and said i'm so sorry for your loss and she's up there with god and and you know stay strong brother and you know god will watch over her and you and just you know, it's it's he's a really good man, hundred percent, Benil Darish, and I hope he's back. Uh, can he be a gatekeeper? Possibly so. I mean, could he make another run? It's so hard to say. I I, I wish the best for him, and I think he uh, would be an amazing coach if he decided at some point to uh, to hang up the gloves. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad he's okay. And he he got caught. I you know, and I'm not. And I'm, I'll, I'll pass it on to you guys. I don't want to be doing like this filibuster here on your show, but I um sometimes it's better to get caught than be just beaten down with like a sustained beating by someone else to the point where nothing you're doing is working. Right. Cause in that case, it's kind of hard on your ego. And it also kind of demonstrates to people that this guy owned you on the feet. This guy owned you with the, the, the wrestling. This guy owned you with the grappling. He owned you with the Muay Thai. He owned you with the boxing. And in this case, none of that happened. Um, in the exchanges, I had Benil getting the slight better of it with the kicks, leg kicks and other stuff, and then bang, boom, got caught. So I'm not taking anything away from Sarukian, but um, that it didn't show that Benil was being owned in any aspect of, of the fight except for that final combination. Just my thoughts. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when a, when a fight ends like that, you know, you know the guy that is getting finished you got to think of it as positive as possible. You know what I mean? You got caught. It happens. It happens in training. You know what I mean? It happens in jiu-jitsu. It happens in kickboxing, Muay Thai. It happens in every combat sport. Uh, but this is for the world to see. This is different, though. You know what I mean? The level is different. The 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 paychecks are different. There's a right. lot of changes, exactly. you know, on that 
win side or lose side. But uh, yeah, you guys going back to what you guys are talking about about the, the the generations. If you look at the top fifteen, it's split between the the older fellas versus the up and comers, right? So you got Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier, Darius, Chandler, who's more of the the older guard, right? The guys that have fought each other multiple times have put on some great fights and and clearly they're older and uh some of them yes their chins are not as they're not like they were a few years ago right and a lot of these guys are getting way better and it's catching up to them right um some guys they're they've sustained with the level of talent that they have for a long time and then you know if you don't get better you get passed up and that's what happens a lot of the times with fighting right it's it's just logic and uh yeah you got armand you got uh, Fiziev, Gamrot, you got Jalen Turner, uh, Saint Denise, Jalen Turner. Mm -hmm. and these guys are the guys are the the future of the division. These guys are the guys that are going to be champion. Fifty percent of those guys that I just mentioned will be the champion eventually, right? It's just are the old guard going to fight these young guards? They need to. They have to. The UFC needs to start forcing these fights, right? Because you can yeah. only have Gaethje fight Poirier. Or Chandler, you know, yeah, so it's many how many times, times yeah. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are exciting matchups and great fights, but it's almost just to make money for the UFC. It's not like, you know, for fight fans that know about these younger fighters coming up, you want to see those fights. You want to see the the changing of the guard, you know what I mean? As, as you know, as devastating it can be to a lot of these fighters, but man, Armand looks like he's going to be the champion in 2024. Like Islam, he's great. And he's shown so much improvement, and he's probably shown just as much improvement as Armand. But I think Armand just—he's just getting better and better and better. And you can see the leaps and bounds he's making. He will be champion. Gamrod is the guy that's interesting to me more than anybody because he's like I was talking with Dan Hooker about Gamrod. He's good at winning, but it's not like exciting. It's just like right, he's good never. at winning. Don, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, it's not a fight. It's not a fist fight. It's. Um, you know, it's Rest hard to, like, push guys like that to the front. But then you got uh, uh, St. Denis, who is like Gamrot in a ways, but, like, he's out there starching guys, choking guys out. Like, he's – and he's got France as well. Though, yeah. You know, there's a lot of factors in, in pushing a fighter to the forefront, and I think St. Denis is going to get pushed. I think that he's going to get a good matchup in this next mm -hmm. fight, you know. And I think he should fight Gamrot. I think that that's the fight to make. That's a good match. Yeah, I was coming off a loss, right? Um, with, uh, you know, going back to the fight, though, uh, with Armand, I think he fights, uh, like he said in the post fight, I think he said he fights Gaethje or he fights for the title. I I believe so. I agree with him 100%. He fights Gaethje or he fights for the title. And that's Gaethje's in the same position, right? Either he fights Armand or he fights for the title. Who else right. is he going to fight? Right. All of this, right. like, I'm going up to 170 and fighting until there's a matchup for me. I, sh I think the UFC should shut those things down. Unless you're, you know, a champion and you've been a champion for a while, then it's a different story. But if you're ranked and you, you're in a good position, you should not be fighting in other divisions. You should be fighting guys that are getting you to the title or fighting for the title, right? Absolutely. Um, but this Agreed. world is – this MMA world – not even MMA world – this UFC world yeah. is is getting there's more layers now more than right. ever right to Definitely. becoming a star to becoming a champion you know what I mean but you know you could talk about fighters getting the push and all that stuff but they still have to win fights you know what I mean they still have to 
beat these guys that are in these positions and and it's not a it's not an easy thing to do um a lot of people doubted sean o'malley man they oh they're pushing him and they're doing this and now he's fighting for the top he went in there and knocked out sterling yep. like clean yep. like you cannot argue that like he's yes, the world man. champ he is one of the best dudes in the world like well, i don't absolutely. care about pushes or not right we so, argue about this rankings concept all the time like look sean strickland number seven jumped up took out one of the the best of our generation at the at being a champion in that weight class like like live honestly like the ranking is judged by who like media members and like guys who don't actually fight like right I mean, that's it's it's just as accurate as all these experts who call the NFL draft year after year after year. They make all these predictions, and they're they're bro, they're like ten percent. That's accurate. a good job. That's a yeah, good job. Never that's get, a yeah. great NFL job. NFL draft. Like yeah, just job. just talk shit and just never just be predicting right. Predicting things that's not going to happen. Never yeah, happen. Dude. Yeah, because because if that was right, then somebody like real quick moment. San Francisco 49ers Brock Purdy wouldn't exist because he was dead last in the draft and now he's, you know what I mean? The, people don't know. Don't let other people's opinions affect you, but the, but it does when it comes to fighting. So I believe everybody in the top 10 is relevant for the title. Every single one of them should be fighting each other no questions asked. Absolutely. Could you guys see uh, uh, Michael Chandler, uh, Armand Sarukian, who's going to come in more jacked battle? You know, are those guys are both like fire plugs i think they're both like uh about five eight give or take and just cutting down from like 200 pounds uh to no not 200 but from like 185 or so uh to like uh 155 that would be an interesting fight you know there's some really good fights out there but yeah the young guard what you got you got actually gen z guys older some kind of older gen z guys going up against younger millennials and the older gen z guys are under 30 and the millennial younger millennial guys are like you know under 40 so it's kind of an interesting matchup because uh it's the generation you know from right before uh to like literally that next step uh uh in the new generation so definitely some really good matchups i uh, foresee in the future and I, I agree no reason to have these guys jumping into different weight classes jalen turner on uh, 10 days notice though that was a pretty good performance um not to jump ahead of us but it's unfortunate oh, that uh, that the ref referee let him take that kind of punishment when he's on his stomach you know not not to tr go down the whole new rabbit hole but you know with drilling down too much on that cuz it might not be that interesting uh but then again maybe it is i guess we'll find out but we'll we'll go with it i guess or i'll go with it as much as my my, my guys here that run this do want to do it but it's so hard as a referee. It's one of the most thankless jobs there is. And all of a sudden, like you're a referee that people think highly of. And then sometimes in one call, all of a sudden you drop from up here, boom, to a referee that people say sucks. And it's just, you know, you know, a, a, a waste and a failure. And, you know, uh, I think that the tough thing is that if a referee stops a fight early, then he actually is being made aware that his possible error in judgment influenced possibly wrongly the result of a fight in permanent record and in how much the next uh, person, how much money the person is going to be paid next, what the ranking is going to be. So I think they look at that as that, ouch, I really don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be credited with screwing up someone's career and making something go wrong right into record book. Right. Whereas, whereas the other way, that's not a factor, but the only thing is the other way you're letting a fighter take unnecessary damage. And 
I think that, you know, you don't want to do either. You always want to thread that needle absolutely perfect. But as we know, even us guys that don't do any sewing or knitting, at some point in our life as a kid, someone asked us to try to put a thread in a needle and, you know, try to push it about 45 times and then you can get it on the 50th time. So it's so hard, but, uh, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. I mean, it seemed to me like it was late, not like some late calls in some regional shows that are absolutely sickening, but maybe a couple punches too late. What do you guys think? Well, before we get into that, make sure you guys download the All-Star app. It's in the descriptions. Make picks, man. Everybody's making picks. Join J-Specs League. Everybody's on the league. Um, yeah, Colin transitioned perfectly to the co-main event, Jalen Turner versus Bobby Green. Um, Bobby Green, he's become this, like, cult character, Iconic so to say. Guy. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yep. and, you know, he, he, he wears everything on his sleeve. He's He says what he thinks, and, you know, you got to respect that. Um, and he's down to scrap. Like, he's down to scrap in the hotel. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's, he's a real fighter. You know, there's, there's not many guys left now that are kind of like this street fighter mentality, he's one of those guys. Like if he's you a real one. Like if you yep. step up to him, he will fight you. Like he will swing fists. There's guys that will get in your face and push you. And they know it's, they kind of think it's just for the cameras and just for, you know, for some clips, you know, get some hype going. But Bobby Green's, I don't think he's like that at all. I think he's a guy that will punch you in the face if you get too close. And yep. he didn't want to get, you know, you've seen the videos, right? But anyways, going back to the fight, Jalen Turner, beat the shit out of that man like seriously like badly and uh that was the rest fault you know what i mean like i'm not talking about the combination that rocked bobby Gre and the crazy thing about bobby green is he got rocked and he was smiling did you see that like when he yep. was rocked, he was smiling like oh you got me like you could tell like it yep. is by like that's yep. i love that attitude towards fighting too like his attitude is like hey you know i got caught I, you know like you win some you lose some you make some money and then you go back to the gym and, and train and, and get the next matchup. But, uh, yeah, the referee, he didn't do a very good job. Uh, referees, uh, when you're at that level, you're supposed to be the highest level. You're supposed to be the UFC. Everybody's, oh, that's the NFL of MMA. That's the NBA of MMA, right? If you are, and if you got to be the highest level. You got your The expectations of you as a referee is to be the best, right? And, of course, you're going to make mistakes. But that those types of mistakes, like how many refs, how many fights have you ref before that where you stopped them early, most likely some of them and some of them late? You got to you got to be good at your job, man. You can't Bobby Green, man, I think he took like more than like 10 heavy shots, like heavy, heavy shots to the back of the uh, look like around the ear side of the head, which are not fun. Just take one punch to the back of the head you you will understand right but yeah the referee they got to do better man it's, i think the commissions they're all a joke like um I'm, I'm, i've always been transparent about my thoughts on commissions they're a joke they just steal money and uh from the fighters for for stupid reasons and uh and they don't really have no solution to any problems a couple do couple do they're trying but most of them are just sitting back and doing nothing uh but Props to Jalen Turner. He's the king of Fontana. Both those guys are from Fontana, California. There was a lot of talk before the fight about they did have some scraps in the gym training together. And uh, there was a little beef, but it didn't seem like it. You know what I mean? I think they were just they're just pumping their chests out like, who's the king of the town? 
You know what I mean? And and that's a serious thing. Um, both those guys come from Fontana. If you know anything about Fontana, it's not the like ritzy it's area of California, right? Like the, it's rough out there. And both of them dug themselves out of that and became productive members of society in the fight game. Um, props to them on just doing that. But uh, Jalen Turner, Jay Speck, what's next for him? What's next for Jalen Turner and Bobby Brown? Bobby Brown. Bobby <laughs> Green. You know what's up. Uh, well, I don't know. Jalen Turner, like, isn't it funny that Jalen Turner pulled a Dan Hooker subbing for Dan Hooker? Like, that's pretty cool, actually, considering they had such a great fight together, right? So it was like, did, like, magical fighter spirit dust thing rub off? I don't know. But anyways, it's really cool to see. Not cool to see was the blown call. It's crazy that this fight, unfortunately, is a mix of, like, cool but actually let's focus on this negative mr turn we're talking about armin not really getting the proper amount of love per se for this win i'm not really sure mr turner's he's not getting any hate because it's not his fault but he's not really getting maybe all the love he could for it either because it's so covered everybody wants to talk about the mr Kerry hatley screwing up i want to talk about mr Kerry screwing up so I understand, and is this is just the way life is right now on this topic. First off, shout out to Bobby Green, bro. I'm going to address those videos. I think it's crazy that they rolled up on you, try to punk you, and then try to leak it out to make you look a certain way. And then the other videos come out hours later showing that you stood up for yourself and made three men run, run and jump around like children trying to escape an angry grandma. Like, it was awesome, dude. Like, anyways, anyway, you won with the people and you're winning again because Mr. Kerry Hatley, boy, he stepped in a bag of crap and he did it on a Coleman event in front of the whole world. And he's, I, I, during the live space, I even defended him to a degree, not in that moment, just his record. I said, Mr. Kerry Hadley is not a bad ref in general. His overall record, he doesn't have, I don't even remember when him having this, something like this. So they dropped the ball. But John is right. This is not, this is, this is life and death, man. And Mr. Green is in his later part of his fight years. Those shots were not easy. And, and as someone who is interested in the reference criteria and the judging criteria and everything the shenanigans of the commissions are up to. I look at that fight and I was watching it, just watching it live, not the replays, I swear. I saw a fighter get rocked. He was shook, then cracked and dropped. Then his back had no way of answering and was eating heavy shots. The third, third punch in that fight should have been called. It did go about six or seven more punches way 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 too long and and it, and it hurt you could see the reaction by the people on the timeline look at it now it, it's hurting it hurts fans it hurts the image it hurts the sport it's crazy how people want to talk about other things being bad for the sport and a simple split second decision changes so much stuff but in the end i'm glad mr green is still healthy he posted and released a video and stuff so glad mr green's good miss turner great great knockout man and mr hatley i'm not gonna like attack you dude just good luck man like and i want to support colin's statement i see a lot we watch a lot of fights and there's a lot of fights that happen on the prelims and people ain't watching and and these refs are saving guys lives left and right 
left and right all the time. So take it easy with the hate. Really watch a ref before you decide who's junk. There are some junk ones out there. Some, 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 sometimes people have a bad call, and that's what it was. But the referee, right? With the referee. Um, remember, if you're in the NFL and you're ref in the NFL and you make a mistake, I, just, I think you deserve to be criticized heavily. They have over. Yeah, they have a they have a referee review system, and it like moves yeah, your but this priority. Is yeah, this is a, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that that's something that they have, which you know, MMA probably doesn't have. I don't know. I don't know the details of like the the commissions, but like it just seems like they have the same referees, and some of them you never even heard of. And you want referees to get a chance, right? But you don't want some guy like just started like two years ago, and next thing you know he's co-main event refing the pay per view of right. uh, you know the what is it? Juliana Pena versus whatever chick she's fighting next, right? Yeah. You know, you yeah. know what I'm saying, right? It's like a big fight, title fight, whatnot. So hopefully they they figure those things out. It doesn't seem like they they ever will, but uh, we will see. Colin, what do you think of the the uh, repercussions of this fight? Like, what do you think? What do you think Jalen Turner should do next? Like, what do you think the UFC should do with Jalen Turner? Because he's in a good position, right? Yeah, he definitely is. Let me examine that with a little bit of a reference site to my right here. Um, Jalen is amazing. He's a great fighter. I've interviewed him several times. The tarantula. He's got the tarantula power going for him. 28 years old, just starting his prime. And he's actually got 20 overall fights and like a dozen UFC fights. Um, Six foot three at 155. And he makes the weight. And he's just on 10 days notice. He even made it. Uh, Fighting someone on ten days' notice is not really. Sorry, Colin. Uh, Sorry, he missed. He missed. He missed. Oh, he time. did miss. He did. Yeah, miss. But barely. But he looked. But he tried. He got naked yeah. and they put the little screen thing up and everything. He went. He went for it. You know. What no, did he, he make the weight after second try? Oh, did he make he, it on the second try? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I take the L on that one. My bad. No problem at all. No problem at all. But initially he did. Yeah, it was a tough call. But the interesting thing is on 10 days notice, you're really not yourself. And I was actually asking Benil Darius about that fight in the interview I did with Benil five days earlier. And I said, the undercard was supposed to be Dan Hooker against Bobby Green. Now we got Jalen Turner. And I said, my feeling is Jalen is on a higher trajectory overall looking like a little bit of a better fighter at this point in his career than Bobby Green is at 37 years old. But I said with 10 days notice, how much of a factor is that going to be? Have you experienced that yourself? And I mean, can a fighter come in? What's going to allow a fighter to come in against a guy who has a, a full camp on 10 days notice? And what Benil said is the weight cut. He said, it's really going to be big. Was that fighter staying in shape? Uh, does the weight cut go at least pretty well? If so, I think Jalen will be fine personally. Uh, if someone's just coming off the couch, then probably not going to look so good. But uh, I, I was with Jalen Turner all the way on this fight. I put out in a couple different spots predictions of Jalen Turner. But Bobby was live. I just thought it was a bad matchup for Bobby, and I think the 10 days notice was the only advantage that Bobby had. But Jalen's a beast. Jalen uh, had... Yep. Do we lose? Music. Oh. I, I'm i hearing music. What? I don't hear anything. I'm not hearing anything. Now it's gone. That's so weird. 
I actually heard like about 12 seconds of music. I don't know what that was. Sorry about that, guy. <laughs> I was like, I should, I was like, I hear ghosts. I see dead people. The feds no, are watching, man. The feds are that's watching. What it, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. But so here's what I'm going to say. Jalen Turner, people are tripping out if they go off their top of their head and thinking, man, well, the dude's been winning. The dude's been losing. No, not at all. Technically, yes, but. He his only losses were two split decisions in this past year. Dan Hooker, a split decision could have gone his way, and Matus Gamrot, a split decision that I really think Jalen did win. The Hooker fight probably he didn't, but both were razor thin decisions. And if those would have gone his way, which I don't think would have made too many people scream, then Jalen Turner would be on an eight fight win streak. And I think he's got that confidence in his head. In reality, he knows, even though he only got six victories out of those eight, the two split decisions really were either way. So, like, really nobody substantially got the best of Jalen for the last eight fights, and that's over three uh, three and three-quarters years, almost four years. So Jalen's in a really good position. He's a bad boy uh, on 10 days' notice to do that. He's a stud. Big man for the division, super experienced. Uh, I like the tarantula. He's definitely in a great position. What he does next, I think you asked, John. Um, man, it, it, who's up there? We got so we got Gaethje. We got I mean, we got Islam. We got Gaethje. We got Poirier. We now have Armand Sarukian. Um, you know, uh, Islam at the top. Charles uh, and uh, and uh, and Benoit Saint Saint Denis. Um, obviously. Jalen's not going to have Islam next, probably not Gaethje next, probably not Armand next. Um, so maybe uh, Jalen versus Chandler, Jalen versus Poirier, Jalen versus Benoit Saint-Denis. I wouldn't mind seeing any of those three. How about you guys? Yeah, Jalen, um, yeah, they got to put him somewhere where he's going to benefit off the matchup because uh, there's a reason why Dan Hooker took the matchup. You know what I mean? He didn't have to take Bobby Green fight. He could have just sat back and waited for somebody with a bigger name. Dan Hooker has a bigger name out there than uh, than both of these guys, right? So um, you got to – I would think you could give him the same treatment that you would have gave Dan Hooker if he would have went in there and did the same thing. I think Dan Hooker would have went in there and did the same thing, to be honest with you. I think yeah. Dan Hooker took that fight because he knew that it's a good scrap, but on top of that, he knew that there was a lot of advantages going into the fight. seems like Bobby Green does have a problem with guys that are more like – orthodox you know what i mean in their striking because bobby green or uh jalen turner used very very uh i don't want to say basic but really like technical striking to to break down bobby green bobby green he's a he's an interesting phenomenon because the style that he has and the, how far he's come with that style of with his hands down and and uh dipping you know with against the best dudes in the world like the best strikers in the world in the craziest division in the world and he's a top 15 top 10 fighter uh, you got to give him respect. Like, it's like Alex Pereira, you know what I mean? The style that he comes in with his striking, with his hands down, and he's multiple division world champion. Like, it's – it's Bobby Green will always be somebody that you would want to see fight. Jalen Turner, I think he sits back for the next couple of months and see how things play out with a – with the division and which matchups come up and they'll probably slide him in at something. But the interesting thing about him before he fought, and I don't know if I didn't watch the full interview, but I saw some like it Twitter stuff and, and headlines that Jalen Turner was forced to take this fight 
Like people are saying that. J Spec, did you see anything about that? Yeah, I did, and I don't know anything about that, but I'll just throw our two cents out there of we've heard from fighters similar kind of you know cold threats. I'll just say it, you know what I mean? The the cold threat stuff like, oh, you know, you know, we really could use you on this fight, you know, to fill this gap and if you don't, I mean, I don't really know when we could find a f- uh, the calendar is really full for the rest of the year if you, you know, if we don't get you now. Like and and you and you got 6 days to go fight some dude, you know what I mean? Like that's on a 5 foot 5 fight win streak. But anyways, we we've heard this from many men. So is it did it happen to Mr. Turner? I hope not. I hope not. People like him. Fans like him. He's he's young. He's a stud. He's on the rise. That would that would kind of make me sick if that's what they're doing to the literally to their future crop of the stars they have built. That would be weird. But it wouldn't surprise me because this is the fight game and productions slash organizations slash companies make money by by grinding fighters. And if they had to take a chance to pulverize a relationship with Jalen Turner to make a fight happen with a let's be honest Bobby Green is a is a late star in a supernova phase of his career I'm no disrespect that's what's happening and the organization is trying to capitalize on that as best they can if they had to you know scar Turner's uh record to do so great but if not what do they get they get stud beating veteran win-win for them so once again from a you got to remember, promotions in general, I hate to say it, promotions in general ain't for the fighter. They're for making money. You got to remember that. So when you hear a last-minute replacement fight, you think it's because, like, they were like, hey, you know who needs a, you know who could use a paycheck right now? It's not, they're not doing that. They didn't call anybody up. It's like, hey, who needs some extra Christmas presents for the kids? They don't do right. that. No. They, it's not that. They don't, they don't, it's not like a work, at your work, they go, who wants overtime? That's, that's a, that's mandatory overtime folks yep. so did it happen i don't know does it happen yeah it does there you go yeah That's my take. for real um yeah it's uh it's interesting what they will do with these guys you know what i mean the co-main and the main um very very important fights in the division and the results are very very important we'll see 2024 is going to be a very very fun fun and interesting year for the lightweight division let who can dethrone islam that's the thing. Who can dethrone him? You know what I mean? The last two fights that Islam has had was with a featherweight. So we'll see what happens when he actually gets back in there with the actual lightweight. And, you know, guys that believe that they could beat him. There's guys out there right now that could that believe that with their skill set they could beat him. And, and that's what I want to see. I want to see those matchups. Uh, moving on to the next fight, Bantamweight division, Devison Figueredo versus uh, Rob Font. Everybody was very interested to see like what Deverson Figueredo will look like at 135 pounds and he looked incredible when someone says to you Colin Deverson Figueredo will be the Bantamweight world champion in the next year or so what's your response well it's a little bit different than it was before last night um i i picked rob font to win that fight i just thought he was going to be too big and if you look at the both men it's weird i'm looking at myself there's a delay for whatever anyway if you look at both men um rob font looked like the bigger man rob font was the bigger man in there uh the experience level though and the polish uh and confidence on a two-time world champion 
uh, like Davis and Figueredo, I think was a difference. Not only that, but he was fighting fully hydrated for the first time in a long time. And that must have felt really good. You could see it did. You could see he's like, damn, man, I should have fought like this maybe my whole career. Because if, 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 if it only hurts a little bit when a bantamweight hits me because I'm fully hydrated, I'm down. Like literally Figueredo was kind of like, okay, good, man. Go ahead and hit me because I'm fully hydrated. This is not doing anything as compared to when someone would hit me, you know, super dehydrated. So he looked really strong as the smaller man. I was concerned. I thought maybe that advantage and maybe Font being hungrier, which he would be. Uh, Font has never had the gold. I think I, I forget if Font even ever had a title fight. I don't think he did. If he did, it was a loss. Uh, and uh, and I, I really felt like the, the bigger man and the hungrier man, it would go to Font. Font did put up a really good fight. But, you know, one thing we don't think about sometimes when someone goes up in weight is, yeah, they're going to be the smaller man, but frequently they're the faster fighter. And that's what Figueredo was. Figueredo was quicker. He was very focused. He was feeling really good, uh, being fully hydrated, and was just a little bit too good to rob Font. But what you're saying, John, uh, being someone saying about it, I, I wouldn't laugh or scoff now after seeing that performance. Uh, but my feeling is that he's not going to be a future bantamweight champion. Uh, if, if he is, that's good. I, you know, I've always gotten along good with. Uh, with his manager, who I, th I believe still is Valid Ishmael. I did some great interviews uh, with uh, Paulo Costa in person, and uh, Valid was uh, was with a uh, good friend of both of my jiu-jitsu coaches, Fabiano Iha and Paulo Tiago. And so we get along really good. It's always good when I see Valid uh, at the press conferences. Um, however, I'm not sure if Davidson, I think Davidson's still with him. Either way, the bottom line is uh, Davidson's a good dude. Not not a huge English speaker, but, uh, you know, through an interpreter, I've had some good back and forths with him. And uh, solid guy, hardworking guy from a very poor family, and he takes care of his family, and is just an overall solid good dude. So I, I wish him the best. I think it's going to be a big ask to beat some of the top uh, five guys at um, at uh, a bantamweight. But Rob Font was not far away from that, and he looked darn good against him. Solid performance. I think Font will be back, but this has got to be a bit discouraging for him, uh, but very encouraging for the uh, Davidson-Figueredo uh, camp. And, uh, you know, respect to both men. Um, Rob, did you pick Rob? No. No, yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did, and I feel bad about it too, bro. Because I had a feeling, I had a feeling, I went against my feeling, but I had, to, I had to stick to the Rob Union, you know. And and any Robs up to bat, all Robs got to stick together. And uh, if you know that, it's a thing. So, uh, man, but uh, for on for real, there was the size difference part that I was worried about, and yeah, I always questioned the first change of weight. Not so much going up, definitely going down. But man, all the answers uh, to all the questions, literally everything got answered. Like David, uh, Davidson Figueredo in this division totally belongs, looks good, is a contender for the belt. Like, yup, 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 in my opinion, like firing on all cylinders. On the other side, Rob Font, man, is, uh, you know, like he's always like the, like, the top 80 in the world or, you know, the top 20 and 20% of the world, this is the top 10% of the world. It's just like, it, it just sucks to see a guy who, you know, is really talented on any given day can beat any given guy. 
but man, it just it's it's like he just keeps almost getting there and it gets knocked back and almost getting there and knocks back. But I'm more happy. I'm more happy to see a, a possibility of a, a title run uh, in this new division. It's good to see. Also, I like to see this in the. Um, I know he's he's not the current champ in jumping weight class, so is all that. But like a more of a, a, a traditional merit system when you move up in weight class. Like, yeah, you're the former champion, so you moved up. So yes, you should get a top tenner. Like, I like that whole. I know it's old school. But to me, I think it, it makes sense, and I liked it. So those are my thoughts on that fight. Um, Rob Font, man, he's uh, he's getting up there in age as well. You know, he's yeah. what, 36. And in the lower weight divisions, guys that are up there in age, they're not lasting very long, right? It, Rob being 36 right now and competing at the level he's at, is, it's, it's somewhat unheard of, right? Like how many other guys do you know that are above 35? In in light in uh, flyweight or bantamweight, not many, not many out there that are that are high level. And Rob is high level. He's had, I think, like five main events. So he's had five five round main event camps. You know, fighting guys like Vera, Aldo, Sanhagen. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think that they're putting him in a position where it's like, okay, you need to beat these young guys so you could get the fights with the big guys. You know, I mean, he's in that little, like, gray area in the in the rankings. Uh, but Figueredo, man, he's a former champ. I think from what we saw of him, I think he's becoming more intelligent as well with uh, with his approach to, to fighting. You know what I mean? He could have went and took more chances against Rob Font. Uh, I think he took some shots in the first round, right, from Rob Font, but then he just took over the second and third round, rocked Rob a few times, right, I think. Uh, and then took him down and, and and dominated him. And you, everybody was talking about how big Rob Font was. It didn't seem like it because he was getting controlled on the ground by Figueredo pretty easily. And I think Figueredo can do that with a lot of guys. I want to see him fight Marab next. I think Marab, they don't know what to do with him. They're not giving him a title shot. So why don't you fight a former champ like Davidson Figueredo to see if you can do that to Davidson Figueredo and even you know take the shots. You know, what I mean, we've seen. Uh, Marab take some big shots and survive, right? So let's see if he can take the shots from Figueredo and survive. Let's let's see Marab fight. You know what I mean? Let's just don't see him hanging around and and just waiting for people, right? Because look what happened. He waited for <laughs> Sterling to lose and he lost, and now he's not getting any fight, right? So let's uh let's put don't yourself in the, a position. Listen to to the youngsters. Don't piss off the boss. You know what I mean? Yeah, there yeah, yeah. Serious, serious. Don't piss off the boss. You got to play the game, man. You have to play the game. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and you can manipulate the media so easily nowadays, right? The media is gonna write about everything. Like you could take a fart and a little <laughs> bit of poop comes out and they're gonna write about that. You know, it's just yep. you know, like it's 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 weird some of the headlines you'll see, and you're like, What happened? Yeah. And then you know, seriously. we had the whole Jamal Hill situation, you know what I mean, where the headline Really, you know, when you read that headline by TMZ, and I don't know why fighters are doing interviews with TMZ because TMZ is just going to write the worst things about you, but you yeah. want to do interviews with those guys, right? It just makes no sense, but it is what it is. They get a lot of views, you know what I mean? They're tabloid news, you know what I mean? Who Most regular people that didn't know who the hell Jalen Jamal Hill was, now they know because he's on TMZ for, uh, you know, it's not even like charged, right? It's like uh, he was arrested for uh you know a scuffle with this with this brother right which 
everybody knows that every guy knows that has a brother like that's just a normal thing what kind of unless they're okay. really it, fighting it is it okay it, it is up to a certain age these are grown super big dudes like at a certain point brotherly scraps totally stop and it does become you know it does it does yeah you're old violent. enough to be like yo we're yeah. mature well, we shouldn't be fighting each other especially if your brother is the world champion I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna. Come on, that's my point, right, dude. Right, that's right. Like, yeah, like I mean, yeah, you're like, uh, yo, like, don't you know who I am? Like, this I mean, is your brother. At a certain right. point, the in the house wrestling matches is solved. The championships are forever. We know who's at what level, and that's just it. You know, and, right? And you just you gotta also think. And, and in fairness to Mister uh, Hill, there's two sides to every story, right? There's two, there's two people in every fight. So we're going to let the process figure itself out. But yeah, John, come on, right? TMZ, sensational tabloid news. Right? Well, Nothing good's going to come out of no. talking to them. In this day and age, you have to like you have to limit yourself from jumping to conclusions because that's what everybody does now. They just mm -hmm. get like a, a headline and a feed or they don't read the article or they don't know the whole story. So you just jump to conclusions like, oh, Jamal Hill, domestic violence. You just hear those words, mm -hmm. right, on a headline, domestic violence, and you just automatically think that he attacked his wife. That's what most people think. I actually had to yeah, I actually had to explain to some some guests in the space that are international that you know in, in the states, domestic violence means anybody you live with up to a month ago. So, yeah. like if you get a fight to you could have moved out, but if you live with them a month ago and got into a fight, it'll classify it as domestic violence. I'm just saying, like you know, <laughs> just, this is the like, worst thing that could happen to Jamal Hill, especially with all the stuff that's been yeah. going on with him in the media oh. and him like talking back to fans and just like letting them get in his head. And he's just like, Oh, you talk, you know, and then his war with Ariel. I'm, I'm just wondering what Ariel's gonna how he's gonna respond because you know, yeah, I'll if tell he, you if my he's, if, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, I, I, I've interviewed Jalen several times. He He's originally from Illinois, but he's representing Michigan for like the last eight years or 10 years. I'm a Michigan guy, Michigan guy, originally born and raised. And so, I've always done good interviews with Jalen, and we've been working for the last year trying to arrange another interview. His schedule is crazy and everything. We haven't, but I've interviewed Jalen. I'm not Jalen, I'm Jamal. Also, interviewed Jalen Turner several times, but interviewed Jamal about five times, I think. Really, really good dude. Really chill really smart guy um he's a real he's a real guy like bobby green and that he came from the streets in illinois and um is is a genuine tough guy but he's also a longtime martial artist for many years and he's really into the psychology and the spirituality of it so not to be speculating instead of being jay speck i'll be colin speck here for a second <laughs> and i'll speculate that one of two things if it was the brother that was trying to get out of hand, what is he trying to prove by physically attacking his brother who can beat the crap out of him probably in a matter of seconds? Why would you attack your brother who's a you know world champion MMA fighter at the highest level? To me, if the brother's that crazy, then what could what could Jamal do about that? It just seems kind of ridiculous and 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 silly. On the flip side of it, it's possible that like in, in Jamal's position, he may be 
taking care of his brother financially and may have just said, all right, dude, let's do this. And his brother might've said, you don't tell me what to do this, that, and the other. But in that regard, if someone's kind of like taking care of you financially, you need to just listen to what they're telling you to do. So I'm not trying to absolve Jamal of everything here, but I would think knowing Jamal to an extent as I do, that it just seems to me unlikely that he would decide as a professional fighter who knows how good he is, even though his brother, I'm sure, is a big man, that he would decide, let me get into a scuffle with my brother who's not a professional MMA fighter. I, I don't think he would do that. So, you know, I'm trying to give uh, him the benefit of the doubt. But then, yeah, TMZ and all this crap, it, it's unfortunate, you know, and it just seems like people are looking for content and, and um, TMZ is always going to put something bad. But I would bet you as this unfolds that it's going to be unlikely that um, that Jamal Hill was solely responsible or even having have attacked uh, his brother or anything. I wouldn't be shocked if it turns out there's not a scratch on his brother at all, you know, but who knows, you know, maybe his brother got mad because he said, look, I'm paying the bills here. You got to quit effing around. You got to show up and t help take care of grandma and this and that. And his brother was like, no, if you, I'm not going to do it. And let me show you by throwing a punch. Right. You know, and then maybe when Jamal grabbed him, maybe he said, oh, you're grabbing me and you're a fighter. I'm going to call the police. You know what I mean? Because I'm mad at you, you know, could have gone that way. Just, just saying. Possibly, possibly, you know, I mean, there's, we don't know the scenarios, right? So right. No. maybe it's, maybe it is for a scratch. Maybe he scratched him. He's like, oh my God. Right. Look at this. <laughs> Look what you did. <laughs> You're a fighter and now I got a scratch on my face. And, and, and just throwing, you know, just throwing out things that are settled now, but like, Remember when Chael got arrested, right? And everybody wanted to go oh, bananas about that. But then when you really hear the story, it's like, actually, he did something everybody would do. Everybody would defend, you, you know. Well, Chael's, you know. Yeah, you'd defend your. He's you'd on defend the roids, your, right? So, you know, yeah. you're on the roids. Well, just know? like, and then Chuck, remember Chuck got arrested? And at Chuck's first. Chuck's on every, the roids, too, you know. But, 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 but it CT wasn't him. CT is a hell of a condition. CT he is did a it, hell but of he a did condition. It, but man. he didn't I'm hit her. right now. I'm just saying he didn't hit her though. I, I, so, I'm not talking about so, like that. I'm just saying. So it's just like we find out these stories, and sometimes there's dirt bags that are the CTE stuff and all oh, that shit's real. Sure. And then well, sometimes you, it's yeah. not what happened. And I'm telling you right now, like CTE is something that is like it's it's real. It's real. Like look at look at John Jones's brother, Chandler Jones. Have you seen some of the videos coming out of him just like going live and just like he's wild right now. He's he was one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Now he's mm -hmm. like sitting in his mansion making weird videos and getting high. Like it's crazy. Like that's John Jones is a unique character as well, right? He's been doing some wild things himself, but like his brother is even like weirder, man. It's I think it is CTE, man. I think these it's the brain is you can't study it. You know, you don't, you can't cut it open and, and see what happens, right? It's, it's, man, it's, it sucks to see. I think they need to study it more. You know, I mean, hopefully there are more places, more, you know, I don't know, labs or whatnot studying it, but that's what it is, man. And who knows, man? We, we don't know the full story. I can't just jump on uh, Jamal Hill's right. side and say, like, this is what happened. Right. This is what yeah. I think what happened. And I can't just jump on the other side because why? <laughs> you don't know what happened. You don't know what happened. So, but you know what did happen is TMZ wrote that article in that headline, and it was kind of a shitty thing to do because people are going to jump to conclusions. Please just don't jump to conclusions, let things slide. 
exactly. and they'll work out. But anyways, you know what's not jumping to conclusions? The app, because the app is real. You could go download that thing on the on the uh, descriptions and uh, make picks, right? Join JSpecs League and win prizes. Let's move on to the next fight, a welterweight battle between Kelvin Gastelum, who looked phenomenal on the scales, all week looked in high spirits. Um, and uh, man, he just did not look good at all against Sean Brady. I think Sean Brady, you got to put some respect on his name. I think a lot of people jumped off the bandwagon for that uh, Benil or Bilal fight. And uh, I think Sean Brady, he's a guy that has a, a, a unique skill set in that welterweight division. And I think he could beat a lot of guys with that skill set. You know, it's hard to say if he'll become a champion because I think to become a champion, you need to have a certain level of the striking, right? Unless you're like a Habib. Can Sean Brady be the Habib of the welterweight division? Who knows? Who knows? Because there's a lot of good grapplers. There's a lot of good wrestlers in that division, right? So, but I think he has super potential, right? And and he, he just reminded us against Kelvin Gastelum. I think Kelvin Gastelum needed this fight. And I believe that he'll be back at welterweight. And he'll he'll win some fights against some big names. I think that's what will happen. What do you do with Sean Brady next, uh, Colin? Um, and, and I'll answer that question, but just let me go back to stick in my real quick thought. Uh, this was a this was a pick'em fight in the odds, and rightfully so. Uh, I ended up picking Gaslam, but I pretty much said this could go either way, and I said either Gaslam is going to be too much for him as a, because his striking is better than Sean Brady's, or or Gastelum is going to look weak and 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 in reality he he made the weight but it was really tough to me he looked like he didn't have he looks like he looked like he didn't have much left in all honesty um the better wrestler and the more decorated wrestler of the two is indeed um Kelvin Gastelum Sean Brady had no business taking Kelvin Gastelum down like that and it wouldn't have happened at 185 uh, but basically what we saw here early on is that Brady knew that Gastelum was the better striker. Gastelum was the bigger man. Uh, and basically Brady also knew that he would be seriously derailed from his focus and goal of getting to the top of the welterweight division if he lost. And so he had tremendous motivation. Gastelum, two years older, 34 to 32, not that big a difference, but I feel like in Gastelum, you have an older 34 year old with a ton of mileage uh, miles on him in the UFC since he won the ultimate fighter, I think at age 21 or something um, against a two year, 32 year old with not as much mileage on him. Um, basically, it looked like you had a Brady who was super motivated, super focused, fighting with absolute razor focus and a tremendous determination and intent against a Kelvin Gastelum who looked like from the beginning he, he knew he didn't have much in the tank and basically was... I hate to use this term because it's kind of silly, and I, but looked almost like a deer in a headlight in the headlights to an extent. He almost looked like he could feel he was on autopilot. He was depleted. The weight cut was too hard, as it always had been for him for the most part at 170. 
and that this fight was going to go was going south and was going to keep going south. And it's unfortunate because uh, could have been a, a really close matchup if if Gastelum had more left and shut down those takedowns. I think he could have started to light up Brady. But the thing that Gastelum had to worry about was Brady was definitely the better jujitsu guy, and Gastelum had been subbed on several occasions, and he got subbed again. And Brady's jujitsu is really really good. He's a good good solid black belt. So. Bravo to Sean Brady getting the win where he needed. To me, he kind of fought a little bit of a shell of Kelvin Gastelum there. Um, I like Kelvin, but unlike you, John, I'm not very confident in what he does from here at welterweight. I'm really not. I feel like uh, I feel like the weight cut was a part of what we saw uh, in play there. And I really could be wrong just because I'm old and you're younger uh, than me, I'm sure, although you guys are not 20 years old. I know that. But I still, I still, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean I know more than my boys here because I don't. So I'm just saying, though, my thought is I'm not sure we're going to see something good out of Kelvin. I hope we do. But that was um, that was uh, that was a flat performance. And I'm sure Kelvin and his team are not happy with that. Sean Brady, where he goes from here. I like Sean Brady. I really do like Sean Brady. Uh, who's up there at 170? We got Bilal. Maybe he might want to see him. I'm sure he'd love to get that one back from Bilal. We've got Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov. Man, talk about – talk about. you know it would be interesting really quick not to go down a new rabbit hole, but imagine if they went over to Brady and said, man, you look so good, and now you're on a one-fight win streak. Like, you're ready for Shavkat, aren't you? Let's set that fight. And if I was Brady's camp, I would say, now nah, let's hold off on that fight. <laughs> uh, but uh, – but, but, I think he's up there, but there's some there's some very very badass dudes up there. Uh, you know, even Wonder Boy, uh, Luke, and Luke's going up against who does Luke have on uh, on the the card two weeks from now? Vicente Luke, Luke's going against Ian Gary. Yeah, so look at it. We got so Sean Brady is a force, but but you got some serious badasses above him. They're all going to be able to make the weight just fine. They're young, they're younger fighters. Several are younger than him. And so to me, I think if they're going to make Sean Brady only face guys above him from here, he just had his last easy fight. I think from here, Brady's going to have to be really, really flawless uh, to beat guys like Ian Gary, even guys like Vicente Luque, Gilbert Burns, uh, Shavkat. Leon Edwards, Colby. I think Brady's better damn well be on his game because if he's not if 100%, then any of those guys could possibly beat the brakes off of Sean Brady. But maybe they won't. Just my two cents. Well, looking uh, looking at the All-Star app with the rankings, I see a name, and I don't know if he's booked because I don't keep up with the bookings because that stuff changes all the time. Uh, good luck to everybody who does keep up with that. But um man right above him i see an aging fighter who has a good name that he could beat and his name right above him jeff neal man jeff neal i was just thinking you were gonna say that yeah yeah jeff neal that's to i mean i don't like i said i don't know the contractual obligations at the time but if i was you know around sean brady i'd be like yeah bro two spots above you right there that's one and shavkat struggled with him Shavkat really struggled with Jeff Neal. That was a really even fight until Shavkat Jeff, got that standing rear naked choke. Jeff's a good fighter. So, you know, that's... Uh, Love to see it. That's matchmaking. That's, you heard that's, it from that's Jay, Jay Speck. My yeah. random thought. Jay Speck called it. Love that fight. 
There you go. Um, then what do you do with Gastelum? What do you think of Gastelum, oh, uh, J-Spec? I, I, I just think Gastelum, was... he is older. You know what I mean? Like you said, that's clear as day. When someone, a fighter is much older, you got to kind of got to put on the kid gloves, right, a little bit with them. Um, I think Gastelum, he needed this fight to show him, like, the level of the talent pool right now in welterweight. It's different from when you fought at welterweight. These guys are much better. He needed that reality check. I think the the weight cut stuff, I think he's past that. I don't – I you know, it could affect him, but it helps him to do one, and then now the next one he can make the adjustments because he's stuck on staying at welterweight. Like, he knows that he needs to fight these guys. Yeah. Um, you know, if he loses his next couple of fights, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Because the level of competition has changed. Yeah. He's much older. But he, if he came back and got the proper matchups for him, not a top 15 guy, but a guy that maybe a name, but someone that he can beat, someone like a veteran. What do you think, J-Spec? Okay, so I totally agree with the possibility, because he's not like old, old, the possibility 34. of him of settling into the weight class. That that could be a thing he could settle in. No, he's old. 34 is old. Is pretty for, for, for yeah, but he could settle into this weight change. You know, this I, I've said it before, I've said it tons of times. A big fade and auto fade you can find in your life. I've seen it tons of times is past 30 years old veteran fighter past 30 years old going down a weight class. I talked about this earlier in the show, show a little bit. It, I don't know the exact numbers, but it is really not in favor of the first fight for that fighter in that new weight class. Now what happens for that fighter later on is their own story, but that first fight for a fighter after 30 in a lower weight class, it, it, it always goes like this. This is the script. This is how it works. So, with that being said, Mr. Gaslam, I I think I think one I hope okay what I hope is that you do well. But what I think is you're gonna have to do what we talked about, what John was just alluding to, crank that knob down on the difficulty level, get some wins. You know everybody respects your name, bro, but we gotta get some shine back on your name. You've been taking a little too many L's, so get some shine, get some dubs, and you know get the Gaslam stack rising again. Um, I think that would be the pro like John said, someone on the verge of the 15, maybe someone with something like that. That would be cool. Um, but yeah, man, times have changed and they change fast. And the weight cut this time was a factor later on. Maybe it won't be. Um, and we'll just have to see that part's just un unwritten yet unwritten so far, but yeah, man, good, good, uh, good contest. Good, good showing for Mr. Brady, not the best showing for. Uh, Mr. Gaslam, that's just how it goes sometimes. All right, and uh, we have the prelims, right? So there was a lot of crazy, crazy moments on the prelims. You know, a couple comeback fights, a couple MMA comeback history, victories. MMA history happening. MMA history happened. But I think I'll focus on the most impressive performances from the prelims. And I'm going to put it out there. I think the most impressive fighter on the prelims, and he should have – I don't know if he got a bonus or not, but he should have got a bonus because this man, like, really shook up, I think, a lot of people's parlays, which was Dustin Stolzfus. Like, he went in there and just showed so much improvement from – I think a lot of people thought that he wasn't even in the UFC anymore, and he gets matched up against Puna Soriano, who is one of the most disappointing fighters I've ever watched come up in that middleweight division. Um, he's so disappointing, dude. Like, he has all the talent. He has all the coaches. 
It just he can't put it together for some reason. Dustin Stolfo stood in there in the pocket against Punasor. He was that confident in his game plan, in his you know in his skill set to go in there and do that, and then ended up choking him out in the second round. Dustin Stolfo's man, this guy. After getting COVID four times and two times he had the long COVID, has just come out. This was his coming out party, man. Like, he just really showed out. Like, and his mentality to fighting is, like, every fight is my last fight. I don't know what I'm getting cut by the UFC. So, it's just, like, whatever. Let me focus and let me do my thing. And, man, he went out there and did it. Uh, Colin, we'll go to you, for you first. Who was the most impressive on the on the prelims and why? Well, I definitely like Stolzfus, and I'm looking, and I always wonder what that means. It means uh, proud foot, uh, or also it could have been a nickname for someone with a peg leg or someone who used crutches. So that's yeah. what Stolzfus means, proud foot or peg yeah. leg. Um, he was very impressive. Uh, felt bad for Puna. I knew I know Puna's a Hawaiian like uh, our Jay Speck, and he's such a cool dude. I interviewed uh, – uh, uh, Puna. Puna's not a big one who loves interviews. I really, I think I had to chase Puna around for weeks because he doesn't love doing interviews. Uh, but couldn't couldn't have met a nicer guy when I met him and talked to him. What I like about Puna is he really is this kind of easygoing Hawaiian in the greatest sense of the word. Like I could see Puna standing outside where things are exploding and people are going crazy and people are attacking. And I could literally see Puna going, you know, that Hawaiian thing, like, all right, it's all good. Right. You know, we're all, you know, like Puna is a chill, strong minded guy. He's a dude that you want to have as a friend. Cause he's not going to be upset when, um, when shit happens, but yeah, you know, it's, it's damn, he's such a strong guy. And he's a he's a disciplined guy. The dude's always in shape. He always looks good. Always a gentleman. And I am disappointed in, in how some of the fights have gone. I really am because I like Puna a lot. He's a good dude. But yeah, Stolfus looks impressive. Um, my feeling is that the most impressive, obviously, the underdog upset wins both by slam by my man from Michigan and under the tutelage of uh, the great. Uh, Coach Mark Montoya, who I've interviewed several times and is one of my all-time favorite people in this business. Probably my favorite coach right now is Mark Montoya, and he's battling cancer like my wife is and and, and, in remission and is just a a super impressive person and one of the nicest guys out there, one of the very best coaches. Um, So great win for Team uh, Factory X and uh, Cody Brundage. Love that. And he was impressive. Also, Drakkar Close. You saw Courtney Casey, another Hawaiian for Jay Speck. Courtney Casey looked really pretty with her full weight, not dehydrated. I think she's pregnant or as a baby and got her big dimples there. I love seeing her with that big smile on her face, watching her guy Drakkar win. So I'm going to say, though, that uh, that those were super impressive. But Misha Tate, I know, love her, hate her. A lot of people don't like her. A lot of people like her. But literally before that fight, I was saying, man, I got to put something out on X. Just say, guys, jump on Misha Tate. And I'm like, nah, I don't like to be that guy. And I don't want to be the one that's causing somebody to actually bet more money in the last second than they've already bet because most people's bets were already in. So I held off on doing it. But I just said something in me told me Misha looks so focused. She looks so dialed in. She looked like so confident. And I've watched Misha's. I've seen every Misha televised fight from Strike Force and before I interviewed Misha. And I'm, I'm starting to get a good feeling about Misha's body language and vibes. And 
the whole week of uh, of publicity, Misha was looked like she was really dialed in. And um, Julia Avila is a badass, a tough girl, but I just knew she was going up against someone more experienced. And on top of that, Misha's an intense girl. Misha's like a really, she's very chill and nice to talk to, but she's a wrestler. She's got that wrestler grind. And Misha went in there and just said, like, please, I'm not going to give this girl a chance. You get nothing from me. I'm going to beat the brakes off you like a redheaded stepchild. And that's what she did. And so I would give it to Misha Tate if I had to say. But super impressed. Veronica Hardy with the name Hardy. Veronica now all of a sudden is Veronica Macedo 2.0. Um, I, I've always liked her. I think she can speak like six languages. She's one of the classically beautiful girls without makeup, even in the sport. Not that that has anything to do with fighting, but like who doesn't like a really pretty girl who is super intelligent and speaks five languages. Uh, I'm happy to see her winning. Cause I think she actually is a really marketable person. And, um, yeah, props to Jared Gooden, Bilotto look great. Uh, uh, watch Joaquin Silva but um yeah I'd have to give it to Misha Tate if um if uh forced and then you know bravo to the underdogs underdogs are live and as you guys know from all-star that's how you can make some money find someone who's a dog that you feel really has a pretty decent chance and um frequently a lot of them will hit on a card sorry for making that the long and the long answer but just my thoughts so good hey, Jake, what do you, got? you know what I'm gonna say I was hyped about it when it was happening. I was flipping my 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 lid. I called it that it was history, and then like five minutes later, they put the graphic on the screen. Guys, just like you, I've been watching this forever, literally since day one. I'm a day one fan. I've been watching all the major organizations, every fight out there for so long. I've seen so much good stuff that sometimes when something amazing happens, it, it just sends me back to a place where I'm so glad that MMA is still so young, that this is still all a work in progress, and that the the slams, two of them, two on a, on a card, never happened, two back to back, like, the, the fight gods were having fun with us, they gave us a gift, it was so fun to see, uh, man, and, I, you know, all, all I'm going to say is carry on Hawaiian, you know, Brad, diversify, please, because you got a killer left hand, but you got to show us more of your other stuff because right now boys are kicking you in the middle and they're figuring you out. So go get them, Puna. Love you, bro. And other than that, that's all I got to say about the prelims. Thank you for their MMA history uh, to the two fighters who did. All right. Indeed. So there you go. You know, I mean, my last thoughts on the prelims is that, you know, Misha Tate, She's always gonna be a factor. I don't know. She could. I think she'll be able to fight until she's like fifty. Like seems she's, like it. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's she doesn't look. She doesn't look like she's slowing down. She does kind of have the skill set to be able to last that long in the division as well. You know, what I mean, great grappler. Um, wrestling is solid, and uh, yeah, and she gets you down. A lot of the girls can't get back up, and uh, and she's getting stronger. It seems like so. Shout out to her, and uh, yeah, the. Veronica Hardy, she's one of my favorite peoples to to chat with. I actually chat with her a lot, you know. Oh wow! DMs and stuff, so she's cool. Tell um, her she's got a fan and an MMA media guy here, Colin Crandall. I, I'd love to talk to her. I'm not trying to get you to set up interviews for me, but <laughs> you just tell her I got. I, she's a fan. I, I'm, I'm, I like. She probably brother. knows who you are, man. She she watches awesome. a lot of interviews herself. So, 
um yeah i'm gonna so, i'm yeah, gonna hit her up then i'm, I'm gonna hit her up then yeah. because you know it's funny how yeah. i i'm a fan of so many of these people but like it's, it'd be funny to talk to someone that i really really liked for uh for a while so yeah i'm gonna work that but anyway let me get you back to let's bet to, to john go ahead but she's awesome yeah I'm and so also happy um, also uh jared gooden man coming back after getting beat down in the first round and getting that rear naked choke man he's reviving his career you know getting signed again a lot of these fighters you know what i mean they, it's just true, man. It's not over when you get cut for the first time. You could always work yourself back uh, and, and work hard, you know what I mean? And you get an inspiration from that. You know, just regular people can get inspiration from that. And that's what that's what fighting is about, man. It's, it's about inspiring everybody to do what they want to do. Um, so props to all of these people. Can't wait until uh, the next show. The next show actually is going to be UFC Vegas 83, I believe. They had the, the Shanghai card. They moved it to, to Vegas because of some reasons. I heard behind the scenes, what was the reasons behind the scenes? That uh, something to do with the venue, something to do with the venue from behind the scenes, what I heard, something to do with the venue, and that's why they couldn't lock it down. But uh, that could be complete bullshit. Who knows, right? Behind the scenes, everybody's saying shit. Like, you got at uh, Magic Mike 54 breaking fight news nowadays, right? It's just like, what's the point? What's the point yeah. of even paying attention to that stuff? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that you know, it's not who's an insider. We don't know. Everybody's just listening to stuff go on in chat rooms and and then break news, breaking news. Uh, I like the fake breaking news uh, accounts though. They're, they're yeah, hilarious. those are fun. Those are fun. <laughs> those are the best. Those are the best. Absolutely. But the people out there like they're, you know, I used to do that, and I was just like, man, it's a waste of time for me. Like it's just too stressful. Because if you want to do it the right way, you got to reach out to both sides, and both sides have to say like yes. And then you post it out there, not like, oh, my source told me. Who's your source? Donkey Kong? Like, like come yeah, on. yeah. So, anyways, next week we'll be back after that card to break it down. Same time, eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific, I believe. Yeah, five p.m. Pacific. That's... And uh, thank you, Colin, man, for for joining us and and giving your insight. And uh, anything you want to say before you you bounce out? Well, I'm so happy to have jumped in here with you guys. Love uh, chopping it up with my fellow experts uh, that uh, have been at this for a long time. Just getting a chance to meet my man, Korean John here. Very impressed with you. Know my man, Jay Speck, the host, Rob, for quite a while and a lot of respect for him. It's funny, man. See, you know, I, I, we always see like some pictures of ourselves on our file, but seeing Rob, man, you look like a Hawaiian relative of mine. Like, if you look at it, right? Take some age off me, right? Get me a little bit of tough black hair back. You kind of do look like each other. I was going to say, man, this is my brother from Hawaii, my long lost brother from another mother. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'm mixed blooded. I'm happy to share, happy to share love with everybody, man. Absolutely, so. brother. Absolutely, and yeah, it was just a pleasure to be here, mixing up with you guys and and hearing your insight. And uh, you know, basically, just uh, you know, you guys keep following this uh, All Star MMA Live as you do. These guys know their stuff. I will testify that, and I've been following this sport since before UFC one, having a copy of the press kit for UFC one prior to the event, and I watched the Gracie Jiu Jitsu in-action VHFs tapes about two years before UFC one. So I've been following this for a while, old dog, as you can see. And my guys here, you know, they know their stuff. Happy to mix it up with you guys anytime. And, you know, for me, I did MMA Power Hour for uh, almost seven years as a video podcast. You guys can see hundreds of hours of archives uh, on, um, you know, my, my channels all around social media. Also, The Hannibal TV on YouTube. Done a lot of cool interviews. Interviewed uh, action movie star Frank Grillo. Uh, they put about 
eight seconds of me in the Conor McGregor documentary where I was interviewing Conor and Cowboy Cerrone and from UFC 245 and um, a bunch of other Michael Bisping took his eye out on uh, my MMA Power Hour episode for me because he said he really liked the questions and I know my stuff and not trying to toot my own horn, but got some great content. If you guys want to see me also doing MMA from London to LA with my man, Callum Sanderson from uh, England. And, you know, that's how you guys can see me, but always stay tuned over here for the best MMA uh, information and, uh, and uh, story perspectives, opinions, and uh, quality fight picks. All right. Jaspeck. Remind everybody where they can find you and you know the spaces and, and what's going on with the app and the leak. I appreciate that, John. Well, right there on, on X or Instagram. I'm on Instagram just a little bit. I'm mainly on X. Uh, with the league, the all-star, download it. Already have it. Join anybody's league. Make your own. Make some with your friends. Join mine. Um, also, you know, we do spaces on the X app every UFC event. We got Literally hundreds of fans just like you come by. There's no pressure, no amount of time you got to be in there. Come by, share your thoughts. You know, it's all a good time. There's no hate in the room. It's it's literally international. We have international fans, and it makes it really fun because we learn so much stuff in a single fight. It's hard to even explain. I'm going to be giving away some awesome prizes as well. So in the meantime, thank you uh, to everyone. Thank you, All Star, for providing such a great app for everyone to use. And uh, see you guys next week. There you go. All right. We'll be back next week, same time, and uh, we'll see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Peace out. Peace.